we, we always talk sports and analogies for me was always sports related. It was like, if you're building a perfect basketball team, you're not going to pick five point guards or five centers, right? Like you could pick the five most dominant big men in the game and you probably aren't winning the NBA championship because you don't have the person that is a floor general that has the ball handling that, you know, you, and or you can yeah, pick right. the five fastest players and they may not be able to shoot. So it's like the best team sometimes need people with very different skill sets and then a coach to kind of say, this is how we work together. Welcome to the 24-7 Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Hugh Gray Jr., and I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, the, part, the podcast is really just a chance to share the conversation part of my life, right? My success is tied to two things. I have conversations and I ask a bunch of questions and learn from people uh, in various fields and various backgrounds and experiences. And then I go do the thing, right? And, and those two things together is why I've found my success. And I'm really excited about my first guest, my first conversation, because this is one that I've had a thousand times. This is someone that I've leaned on a thousand times, someone I've learned from a thousand times and will continue to. Um, and that is Dr. Brett Bell. Uh, Dr. Bell is a PhD uh, in psychology. So we call him Dr. Bell, but, but no, on this no, convo, we'll call, me Brett, but we'll call him Brett because he'll, he'll kill me. He's a Philly boy. He'll kill me if I call him Dr. Bell all day. Um, but Brett, please tell the folks a little bit about yourself and what you do. So nice to be here. Um, really excited to have this conversation, the conversations that you and I have had for, uh, three, four years now, probably thousands of countless hours. And, you know, you say you've leaned on me, but I've certainly leaned on you. And I think that's, that's the power of a great relationship. It's the reciprocity piece. So I just wanted to say that I'm super psyched to be here and, and talking with you and uh, giving your audience a chance to, to listen and learn from the conversations that we've had together. Cause I've learned, I've learned a lot from that. Um, like you said, my background's in psychology. You know, it's more about me, but I guess my educational and professional background is in psychology. Um, I practiced clinical psychology for a couple of years, but um, it became more about the paperwork and less about helping other people. And so I became incredibly um, just upset about that and disenfranchised about that and decided to um, take what I've learned about people, about myself, um, about business and you know when we all come to work or when we work with people we're just working with people regardless of what field we're in it all comes down to people so um, just really you know took that concentration in organizational and industrial psychology which I took in graduate school and applied those same principles to business and I've been working um, across the industry for the last oh god now I'm going to do it myself uh, the last 15 you can see my grades the last 15 or 16 years um, have met incredible people like you do um, and have had the pleasure and the opportunity to work with a lot of great leaders. I've had the pleasure and opportunity to work with a lot of poor leaders um, and I've learned a lot from both. So I'm just really happy to be here and uh, having this conversation with you. Awesome. Thank you. So, you know, for the first ever convo for a artist music business podcast, I'm having a conversation with a psychologist, which might throw people off. Ah. And uh, but specifically, uh, the reason we came together was you have a background in IO psychology. And, um, you know, and, and, and one of the things that a lot of people don't understand is, is what you said. Business is really about people, right? You're either dealing with the people that you work with, the people that you're working for. 
the people that work for you, the people that work with you. Um, and then ultimately you have a customer or consumer that, that has to buy or pay for something for the business to work. And so if you don't understand people and how they think and how they feel, uh, you will find yourself struggling. So, so give us a, I guess a, a Philly, what is IL psychology? Again, like we don't want like the big terms. We don't want, we want someone who I don't even know those big terms anymore. Starting um, out. What, what is IO psychology? It's, it's really kind of the science of understanding an organization, right? And it's, it's, you know, an organization, no matter how big or small it is, is made in a certain structure and really understanding that structure and how that structure or that dynamic works. Um, depending on the business that you're in. You know, there's big corporate structure, um, which is pretty complex and intertwined, and there's a lot of interdependent parts. And then there's, you know, entrepreneurs, like a lot of your audience, you know, artists, entrepreneurs who work in a smaller structure, but, but the structure still remains. And it's understanding the dynamic of that structure and what works in that structure that will work best for you or your business. I love it. So ultimately, you know, you said the word structure, which... I can laugh now because when we first met, uh, we had, you know, our, our company had a lot of uh, big ideas, big visions, big dreams. Um, my previous company, and 24-7 does too, but now we're applying what I've learned from you. Uh, but our previous company had big visions, big dreams, but I think a lack of structure. Mm-hmm. And and so when, when you came in and, and you were helping us get organized, uh, I, I remember being skeptical I think of like, what, what is it? This dude doesn't know the music business. Like how can he come in and, and, and help us? But I very quickly learned that, you know, business is business. People are people. Um, and it boiled down to like some very, very simple conversations that we would have that, that kind of helped me and then ultimately helped the company grow. So I kind of want to run through some of those combos we had. Right. So uh, I'll start with, I, I think we even get to the assessment, just communication. Right. So, so one of the things that I learned from you is that everyone doesn't communicate the same, right? Yeah. And, and it's, now it makes sense, right? When you say it out loud, it's like, of course, that, that's not the case. But when you're an entrepreneur, you kind of do a lot for yourself early on. A lot of the artists we're dealing with will be their own manager. They'll be their own agent, their own engineer, their own graphic designer. But as they find success and they start bringing on these team members, uh, they'll basically want that person to do what they did and often how they did it. Um, and that was kind of what I was, right? I was like, I know how to do 20 things and I'm bringing 20 people around to help me, but they're not doing it like me. And I would go to you so frustrated and you would often say, well, you do. How are you communicating what you want? Yeah. So can you speak to the importance of like communication? I mean, it's everything, right? And let's just like, let's move outside of business for a second. And like, I always try to take things down to the most basic levels, right? Fundamental levels. Like, I think it's one thing in, you know, just in our culture right now in, in America, right? Where everything is, is, there's so much specialty and there's so many people studying so many different things. And so there's all these specialists in all these different fields, right? And what we miss, I think, and, and I'll get to your point in a second, what we miss are the basic fundamentals, the blocking and tackling. Like for any of your uh, audience out there who's played sports, like, you know, you just use the football analogy, right? Football is a very complex game, but at the end of the day, you got to be able to block and you got to be able to tackle. So when you talk about communication, communication is the essence to any relationship, right? If you look at how we are as human beings, right? We rely so much on communication and communication is what you do. You and I are doing right now. We're speaking, right? 
but there's so much more to communication, right? It's your nonverbals, right? Is being set, like as you grow as a professional, as you grow as a person, being more self-aware um, and how you're coming off, how you, you know, your facial expressions, how you're the intonations of your voice, um, not just looking at what you're trying to get across, but what, what kind of understanding what that person needs, right? And understanding how they learn. Like, I think it's really important for people to understand we all learn differently, right? I could go into our public school settings and even our private school settings in this country. It's like it, it, there's still a lack of appreciation and a lack of understanding of the differences in how people learn. And that is fundamental to how you relate to other people. Is that You don't have to be a science, scientist. You don't have to be a psychologist. You just have to practice a little self-awareness and understand that we all see the world extremely differently based on so many different factors that your audience doesn't have to know about, they just have to be aware of. And really, when you look at that one-to-one communication with someone, that diet of someone, is really trying to, you know, the word empathy is thrown out a lot, around a lot, right? And it's great if people are practicing empathy. I think that's great. But it's more of just sort of this throwaway, like I'm empathic, right? But really understanding when you're communicating with somebody is not what you're trying to get across, but what, what you need them to know and how they need to be communicated with. So um, I, I think it starts with just a little self-awareness to start practicing that. Like everybody sees the world differently and it's based on a variety of things. And your job isn't really to understand that. It's just, to, it's just to, to know it. I love it. No, I, it, it's amazing. Cause I, again, I remember early on when I, I finally broke down and tried to implement some of what I was picking up from our convos and I used words and phrases that I'd never used before. And then I saw like that, like a glimmer in people's eyes and excitement in the work and the work actually getting done. And it was simple things like I, I would explain something and then I would say, uh, so just so we're clear, can you can you tell me what you heard me just say? Like what what's expected? And then I would hear them say something and be like, well, no, that's not it at all. And 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 one of the things I learned from you in communication is like if if they don't get it. If I tell you to do something and you don't do it right, then I have to look at like how I communicated first. Right. And that's, like you said, self-awareness as opposed to, oh, they did it wrong again. And now I would find myself getting really frustrated with people that I worked with. Like, oh my God, like I could just do it. Like that was like my, my, you know, like my, my thing was like, oh, I'll just do it. And then you're like, no, you, you can't build a company where you just do it because then they get accustomed to that. Yep. So like take a little bit of time and just make sure you're communicating effectively. Yeah. I think time often we don't have the luxury of time or we think we don't have the luxury of time, but if we just took a little bit more time up front, right. To like set expectations, right. To check in with that person. Are those expectations realistic or are they not realistic? And you know, when you are the boss, right. Or when you're the leader, right. It's, it's, it's the emperor wears no clothes, right. You're always the last to know when you're kind of, if I can use this language, when you're fucking up, right. Everyone else is talking about you and how, you know, and, and, you know, what you did and this did, and everyone usually, you know, externalizes blame. And when we talk about teamwork a little bit, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that. But they're always looking at this person and what they're not doing, right? And, then you all, and if you don't ask, like I always said to you, if the only way to know is to ask. Mm-hmm. And that, just, just, just ask, are we clear, right? Did, tell me what we just agreed upon, Right. Um, what did you hear me just say? Right. And, and the, the cool thing about everything that we always talk about and you can use in other parts, you can practice, you can practice in your, your 
every relationship that you will have will be better. I can get, there's not many things you can guarantee in life. I can guarantee your whole audience this. Every relationship in your life will be better, work included, when you take the time to set a reset expectation. And understanding if, you know, you, the, the person you're communicating with or the group you're communicating, if everybody is clear and everybody is aligned, moving towards the same goal. And I think that's really, really important. So in business, you hear the words KPIs, you hear the words OKRs, right? You hear all these goals and metrics and objectives, right? And again, I go back to fundamentals. Like, what are we measuring? Why are we measuring it, right? And most importantly, where are we driving? What are we all, why, are, why is this group together? What is the purpose of this group, right? You know, businesses have missions, right? And some of them are good and they're all kind of bullshit, right? But like getting your group together and saying, what is our mission? What are we, what, why do we wake up every morning and come to work together? What are we driving for? And taking five minutes in the beginning of the day and getting on a Zoom call and hopefully, you know, when the world heals a little bit better, that we're all actually physically together, but getting your team together. It's like football, man. They huddle up every, you know, every play to just get on the same page, right? Get the play in, get on, do that with your team. What, what, why are we here? What are we doing, Right. Where, what, what is time well spent for me today as a leader? If you can give that to your group, helping people understand where they're supposed to spend their time and why, and get everybody growing in the same direction, your life will be a lot easier and the goal you're trying to, to achieve will be a, you know, a lot more easier to, to get to. Mm, that's a bar. That pretty much, if, if the audience doesn't take anything else from this podcast, the last two minutes of what you just said uh, is, is I can stamp back, validate 100 percent. Like it didn't just affect my ability to to lead, my ability to listen in the company. It also had a, a tremendous impact on the relationship with my wife and my kids and my parents and my siblings, and my friends. And and I just saw that I was able to kind of connect those dots of just asking simple questions like, you know, how are you feeling? Right. Like that's something I'd never asked anyone who'd ever worked for me before I worked with you because I just assumed you're good. Um, and then I'd ask. And then a lot of times you get a que- an answer that you didn't expect. Like, you know, I'm a little confused. And then yeah. rather than take it defensively or being like, oh, man, like, how can you be confused? I sent an email. I go back and I, I hey, so that's cool. I, I like. So what are you confused about? And just by asking those questions and having that dialogue, I could see, oh, I didn't give you this key piece of information that's in my head. And I just assumed you'd get that. Yeah. Well, I have to stop you for a second because I only know that you do great that I know, right? I don't know that you do great before I didn't know you do great, right? But when you 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 the you do great I know created an environment where people could say they felt confused, mm-hmm. right? So if you don't create the environment where and, and you as the leader and, and and you know you don't create that environment where people can feel comfortable to say i feel confused they're not going to get berated then you might ask hey how are you feeling they're not going to give you the true answer so you got you have to you know we're, we're planting seeds all the time in relationships and relationships have to be nourished every day right and just asking hey how's it going is a way to nourish that seed 
But you know, for any any of your listeners who are starting a business, have their own business, um, if you don't create that culture where people can say, well, I feel confused or I don't know what I should be doing, and you're paying that person, you're going to be wasting a lot of money um, paying them for nothing. So yeah. you know, start with creating that openness. You know, and look, you 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 know, if you're a boss and, and you have your own business, you know. Results are important, right? And so I'm not saying that it's got to be all, you know, flowers and, and you, know, how, you know, how are you? But um, you are dealing with people and you yourself as a leader, you're not perfect either. Your communication is never going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not going to happen. I don't care what books you read, what podcasts you listen to, um, how, whatever, how much self-awareness that you have, you're going to fuck up, right? We yeah. all do, right? But you're, what you're trying to do and, and the culture that you build and the relationships that you build with the individuals on your team, with the, with the collective of the team, with the company as a whole, you want to build up as much equity as you can every day because we all screw up. Yep. And that's just, we're human, right? Um, I, I, I practice those same principles in my personal life with my family because um, I fuck up a lot. Uh, and, and the more you build up that equity with everybody and they know where you're coming from and know that your intentions are good, um, you get a lot more passes. So um, I think it's really important to start with that, just ask, asking that simple question of how you're feeling, creating the culture where people can actually say, I feel confused. Yeah, now that's that's real. And and so for the folks listening and or watching, Brett Bell, uh, I can't say was, because once you are, you always are, is, a, is an athlete, uh, high-level. Was an athlete. <laughs> high-level competitor. He's a, and a quarterback at that. So you know, Brett is a natural born leader. Um, and, and one of the things that I also picked up from you is that there are different leadership styles, right? Yeah. Some lead from the front, look at me, follow me, do as I do. Some lead from the back. Uh, you know, I let you learn from your mistakes and then kind of teach or coach after the fact. Um, and, and one of the things I learned from you is that a, there is no one right way, but B not everyone responds to your leadership style the same. And so now, you know, for someone in this business, whether you own a record label, a publishing company, whether you're an independent artist and you're kind of the leader of your team, uh, how important is it uh, for for you to kind of check in one, understand how you lead and then two, check in with how your team responds to that? Great question. And it's tough, right? Because sometimes people don't even know how they want to be led. Mm. So that becomes really difficult. I think you, you, it takes time and a tremendous amount of patience and a tremendous amount of um, care to really understand how people want to want to be led, right? Some people will offer it up to you. Most people don't, especially if they haven't really been led in their life, won't really know. Um, yeah. So time sort of um, unveils that. The problem is in business, we don't have that much time, right? Uh-huh. So, you know, one of the one of the things that I get most excited about in, in my particular field is the power of assessments, right? The power of, they're, they're not, you know, there's, everyone thinks of these, when we hear the word assessments, like no one's going to get you on the couch and, you know, um, not going to be like Dr. Freud. Uh, but there are, there are, through the power of great research, um, you know, 60, 70 years of research, 
we can in under 10 minutes really understand um, how people like to be led. And it's not their personality, it's their behavior, right? You know, and, and the reason why we do those assessments in business is to expedite that process, to give people who take the assessments a little bit more self-awareness on themselves. Um, they know themselves best, but it's kind of framed in a way that they can digest it. But also for leaders to say, hey, here's, here's the composition of your team. And based on the information from these assessments, this is how this person um, will likely want to be led. And I say likely because we're dealing with people, right? There's no assessment in the world that is going to, you know, is 100% accurate. But you can get a pretty good idea from these assessments of how people like to be led, how people like to be communicated to, how people like feedback given to them. Or, you know, there's a wide range of applications of this. And the great way, to, the reason really is we try to push businesses to use and leverage these assessments is, you know, you do my perception of you is biased based on how I feel about you. Like my eyes, you could do no wrong, right? So I'm always, I'm always going to give E.D. Gray the, the pass because I know truly who E.D. Gray is, right? That's the good part. The bad part is if I have an unfavorable impression of somebody, it's going to buy, you know, we all know about biases, right? It, it's okay to be biased. You know what? Our brains are hardwired to be biased. Mm-hmm. You have to just come to a self-understanding of that, that we're all biased, right? Our brain is constantly trying to take shortcuts. Right. If we just kind of drill back again to the blocking and tackling, you know, you look at us as an organism, right? We're, we're here to survive, right? And the brain, when the brain thinks it requires a lot of energy, but the brain is always trying not to think, right? Mm-hmm. We force it to think, but it's trying not to think. So we're all going to have biases. One of the ways to mitigate bias in an organizational setting is through the use of objective assessment. And that can help us understand how people may want to be led. Right? the feedback that people may want to you know, get and how they want to get it. So that's one of the, that's one of the tools that we use in business to, to, to help understand what someone's preferred leadership style is. I mean, I, I will never forget the day we took our first assessment. Um, and again, skeptical as all hell. I was like, nah, like this thing can't, it, it, I mean, 10 minutes was, was an understatement. Like it, it was a series of questions I answered it the best of my ability and, and they weren't like weird questions. They were like real life Word. scenario type things. Yeah. Um, and, and asked in different ways. And you, you realize like, I answered this like this before. So I wonder like how this answer will go, but you just kind of answer it. And then you like looked at some data and you were like, Oh, this makes sense. You, you lead this way, but you also kind of drill down, like, you know, you, you need time to process or you don't, right. You, 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 prefer someone communicate to you more consistently or you don't, you know, you, you prefer to be reprimanded. Like it was like all these things that within 10 minutes and you knew me again, but looking at the data myself for myself, I was like, wow, that's crazy. And then you take it to another level where the rest of the team who had taken their assessment, you kind of compared and you said, well, if, if, if you prefer time alone to kind of think and process before you move, but the person that's reporting directly to you prefers to communicate every day for clarity. Yep. Do you see where there will be some conflict and where if that person isn't coming to you then to say, hey, I'm not clear, they're going to build up insecurities and frustrations and you're unaware. So by the time it comes to a head, it's a much bigger issue. And you're just like, well, dude, what's the issue? Or, you know, so like and and, and I think how you put it to me that day, because it was like a mind blowing moment was a. Uh, if you were building a team, like, you know, we, we always talk sports and analogies for me was always sports related. 
it's like if you're building a perfect basketball team, you're not going to pick five point guards or five centers, right? Like you, you could pick the five most dominant big men in the game and you probably aren't winning an NBA championship because you don't have the person that is a floor general that has the ball handling that, you know, you, and or you could pick the five fastest players and they may not be able to shoot. So it's like the best teams sometimes need people with very different skill sets and then a coach to kind of say, this is how we work together. And the assessment yeah. to me was almost like the tools the coach could use to say, oh, wow. Like, so if you need daily check-ins and you prefer not to take daily check-ins, if we reorganize, and that's that organizing of the company, the if we can, right? yeah. and reorganizing the structure, then you will report to someone or work with someone who can communicate better. Or by putting someone else on your team who's kind of a middle person, mm-hmm. that person will understand you need your time, but they'll also understand that you need your daily check-ins. And so sometimes it was as simple as like, hey, that team that you put together for the rollout of that artist project, by adding this person in your company on that team, they'll be more successful. And that person's role in the company may not be creative. It may not be what you think, but it's just like, just by having that person included in this text thread, you'll be more successful. And I never thought of it like that. Cause again, as, as the artists and teams, we think if I'm in a studio, I need an engineer. If I'm creating, I need a producer. It's like, we have these clear defined roles and we don't take personality into consideration. Yeah. So I want to, I want to kind of, Get drill into that a little bit more because I think this can help your audience. Like people who are, you know, bringing a collective bunch of people together to further their career, right? Um, let's let's use the artist analogy, and I'll try to use everything that you taught me over the last four years about the music business. Um, but it doesn't really matter. We could we could parallel the same thing to the basketball analogy that we did, right? We're looking for the best engineer. We're looking for the best studio. We're looking for the best, the best, the best, the best, right? And so. What we what businesses fail to do, even big, I mean, I mean, I started cutting my teeth in this industry and doing executive assessments, right? CEO, COO, big like guys who were making eight hundred grand a year that I would go and I would do it. This is like a like ten hour assessment on these people because the investment in the company was major, right? And these companies were spending all these these this money on on leaders like. Of CEOs who were very successful in one business, very successful. Their resumes were thirty pages long, and you know they demonstrated twenty percent growth in this industry. And then they would get hired by this other company, and they'd be utter failures. Well, they didn't change. They're just smart people, right? But they didn't fit into the composition or the culture of the organization they were going to. So when you look at you know an artist who's looking for the best engineer, the best drummer, the best lead guitar player. Right. All those things are really important, but to ignore how you work with other people and how that person you're going to bring in is going to work with you and the rest of the people who you already have in there um, is, is malpractice on your part. And you have to start to consider these perspectives. I would rather have a little bit less of an engineer from a skill set perspective, but one that fit better with a group with me or the group that I already had any day of the week than just the best, the best, the best, right? And, and, you know, that it is so critical for your audience to take a step back and say, yes, skill set is really important. I would never minimize that. Someone's skills are really important, but that's only one part of the equation. The other part of the equation is how are they going to work with you and how are they going to work with the rest of the people on your team? Yep. That's a great point. Again, you're dropping all these gems. So, 
you know, if you're an artist right now and a manager, a, a label head, an intern, uh, it's really important for you to get a good understanding and self-awareness of, of kind of what makes you happy, what makes you go. Um, and you can look at your regular life and look at the relationships that kind of work out to, to get a good gauge of that. Right. So uh, one of the things I did after I took the assessment was I looked at the, the relationships I've had for a long time. And I realized a lot of them were the people who kind of get me. Right. I am a person who needs like alone time to process. Like I think a lot and I'm always problem solving and then I'll show up with the solution. And that's kind of my magic. Right. But when I'm put in a situation where I've, you know, I've tried to, to manage artists, a couple, and I was a horrible manager in my mind, horrible. Like I didn't deliver as I did in other areas in life, but it's because I think the role that those artists wanted me to play as their day-to-day -day managers doesn't fit my personality. I'm not a call me 10 times a day. I'm an answer every 10 times and answer your problem and solve right away. I may have a conversation, go away, think about it, come back, here's your solution. Now let's refine it together. And so I realized like, you know, I, I went from kind of like day-to-day -day manager with some artists to what we developed as like business manager. That's the role that I ended up being where the artist, and I, I set an expectation of, you can include me in emails, you can include me in group chats, but don't expect me to like be on calls every day. Don't expect me to text you right back. Don't expect me to be the one to like book the gigs for you and do the day-to-day -day stuff. That's not where I'm, I'm going to provide the most value for you. Expect me to be the one to help you strategize the release. Expect me to want to be the one to strategize the meeting with the label or the meeting with the potential brand partner. And, and then I found much success. And the careers of those artists were much better off than the ones who I was like, yeah, I'm going to manage you. Like, I know the music business. I like you as an artist. Like you said, I have my bias and I'm going to be your manager. And then I end up sucking. And it's not that I'm any less skilled. It's just... Really? that probably isn't the best role for me in your career. Right. Or with it, you know, based on what that person needs, if that other person is like you as well and can, you know, have that Monday morning call and then check in with you again on Friday and, yeah. and they, they are wired like that as well. They kind of need to go off and do that. You would work in that sense, but you working with someone who needs to be connected every, every day or a few times a day is probably not going to work for you and it's probably not going to work for them. And then they start to feel their, fill their head with you just not engaged. Yep. Do, yep. You know, we start telling ourselves our own narrative, right? Because look, we're all a little bit narcissistic. I don't care what anybody's we're all a little depressed. We're all a little anxious. We're all a little narcissistic. We're all a little we're all a little schizophrenic, right? We're all a little of everything, right? And that doesn't mean that you're, you know, that you're, you're crazy, right? Just we all have these latent things in us, right? That make us human, right? They're only a problem when they're a problem, right? So I'm not suggesting that you have like a narcissistic personality disorder, right? Or we're all a little crazy. We're all a little crazy, like our friend uh, said. But um, to, we all look at things through our own lens, right? And especially when we're emotional. If, if I'm expecting you to, you know, I'm somebody who needs that day-to-day -to -day touch, and you don't call me for two weeks, I'm going to think, you know, what did what did I, what is it about you do that he's ignoring you? Mm -hmm. But in the absence of the information that you give, and I love that you said that when you're straightforward with someone, you say, Hey, this is how I work. Yeah. Right? You start to set that. We, we talked about expectation at the outset of this call. You start to set that relationship expectation with that person, right? Um, they'll still get upset, but then you can always go back to that. Hey, you remember when we first got together and we were kind of hammering this out? 
I told you this is this is how I operate. Right, wrong, or indifferent is what you right. And then in relationships, we always try to meet people in the middle. So many diametrically yep. different than us. It's not just saying, "Hey, this is how I am," and like put know, an effort, yeah, right? Um, you always try to meet people in the middle, right? But you have those conversations where that person who's the total opposite you says, "Well, I need I, you know for me to work well with somebody, I, I need to talk to them every day." And then you can negotiate that and set an expectation of what to expect in that relationship. And it's hard, man. It's hard. It's, it takes time, right? But relationships take time. I think any relationship worth anything is just going to take time. It's just a matter of fact. There's no other way around it. Yeah. You just got to do it. You know, there's no, you can't take a pill for that. And, and so that leads me to, I think that the next thing that I learned with you was you use the word stretch. Right. You would. And it kind of speaks to what you just said, the idea of. All right. So now I've, I've kind of got an understanding of how I am. Right. Like you said, we're all a little narcissistic. We're all, a little, you know, we're about ourselves. Yep. So then when you kind of shine a light on yourself and realize like, oh, shit, I'm not perfect. And as a leader, I have these, you know, whether you call them faults or quirks or just it's, it's how I am. And then I recognize it doesn't fit with some of my team. Then the next step or the next evolution for me was then kind of realizing I would have to stretch for the company to be successful. I'd have to call people more than I would like to, or I would have to check in a little bit more than I'm used to, because that's what I'm not doing that's affecting the team's success. Uh, and, and so now, but you also spoke to that you can't stretch forever. So recognizing that and saying, okay, for now I may need to do more than I'm comfortable doing, but for the company to grow, this is where, as we add team members, not just replacing role by skill set, right? Because yeah. you said you need skills, and we recognize that, but also by personality would be important. And so then, as it's like, all right, we need this person with a skill set to add to the company, but it would also be great if this person had this personality type. Yeah. And so that's where, as as we now, you know, build out twenty four seven artists, yeah. and I have my list of of roles and responsibilities and the things we'll go through. But I also have certain like personality needs that I've learned to put in our, you know, this is our higher list. Your pipeline, right? You want to, you want to be able to, you want to have a choice, right? Mm -hmm. You're built with anytime you're building at your team, right? Like my advice to your audience would be don't hire the first person that you speak to. Like just, even if you think that they're, they're, you know, they, they walk on water, you know, don't, Hire the first person. Understand, know exactly what you're looking for. Know your first. Know yourself, right? Um, really, really important to know yourself to really understand how you like to work, how you handle conflict, right? When, when the shit hits the fan, are you that person who's gonna like, you know, are you that fight person, or are you gonna be that person who doesn't like conflict and just kind of puts it off to the side, where you, you kind of flight from conflict? So really know how you handle conflict, how you like to give feedback, um, how you communicate, how you lead. Just, just, you don't, you don't need an assessment to start. Just, just write down in a notebook, you know, thing, mm-hmm. ask other people. Like, you know, one of the greatest gifts that you can get from anybody is honest feedback. That's one of the great, and, and it's free. That's one of the greatest gifts. And, and I would say, don't get feedback from one person because that's just their perception of you. And you're really, Get feedback from multiple people. Ask them, hey, what do you think my leadership style is, right? You know, talk about, when, you know, what is leadership? And then how do I lead? How, you know, do I handle conflict well? How do I handle stress? Like, 
get feedback from other people. You learn a ton about yourself. It's free. It'll actually ingratiate you to that person who you're asking for feedback for. That's actually one of the biggest, if you look at, you won't get too geeky here, but if you look at the research, one of the best qualities that a leader can have where people perceive that person as strong and confident and secure are those leaders of big companies who ask for feedback, right? They want to learn about themselves. The, the world is the best teacher to us. We just have to ask the world and we don't have to take everybody's feedback, right? Mm-hmm. You, you do. You can give me feedback about myself. I might not agree with you. That's yep. cool. But if I get feedback from you and I get feedback from Davina and I get feedback from like six other of our friends and it's the same thing you guys said, well, kind of power numbers a little bit, right? I better take a look at myself and be like, hey, I don't agree with that, but that's what how everybody else perceives me. I want to know why. So yeah. I think that that is really, really important um, and, and it's free and you, you can do it at any time. But yeah, that, that would be definitely a recommendation I'd give to anybody. I love it. No, and, and you're absolutely right. I, I feel like, like I said, we once you get to that place of like, oh, I'm not perfect. I'm not, you know, I am. I do have these things about me. The only way you really learn is by asking. And I remember, I'll say his name because obviously he's a part of the culture and part of who we are. But like when I went around and asked everyone and I asked Will, our, our guy, Will, the, the the creative genius, you know, what's, you know, what do you think about my leadership skill? And his response like blew me away because he was like, you know, I, I love working with you. You Anytime I speak to you, I feel like I can run through a wall. You may feel like I can do anything, but I do wish like I had a little bit more access to you. Mm. And like, you know, he's one of the most quiet, reserved, you know, in the corner, working on like his crazy designs that like blow us all away. And I would have never expected him to say that. Mm. And when he said it, I was like, you want to spend more time? Like, I thought we like, and it, it like, so now I will randomly check in with him, yeah. even when we're not working on a project, just if it's a text, just be like, hey, bro, how you doing? And I know he appreciates it. And I also use those words with him because I, I do. I, I don't end a conversation with him without saying I appreciate you. Yeah. And if I look at my text thread, like for the last two years, you'll see that like anytime we've communicated, even if it's about work, I'll always say I appreciate you because yeah. I realize like I never said it, even though I thought it. And by him saying, I wish I had a little more access to you. It's like, damn, like. I realized that like I really didn't pay any attention to the student unless it was work because that was just the dynamic of our relationship. But that's not what he wanted. Totally. And you were reading his mind, right? You were like, yeah, this guy works really well alone. He's, he's, he was obviously a very skillful guy, so it's not like he needed a ton of direction. Yeah. So you just assumed, right, that he didn't really need to check in with you. And that's why it's just so important to ask. That's all you got to do. And you, I, I am pretty confident more times than not, you'll be surprised like you were with the response that you get. Yeah. You know, sometimes we're too proud. Like I know for myself, like as a, you know, this is one of my faults as like a man and what, how I was raised. It's like, you shouldn't ask for help, figure it out. Yeah. Right. And that, that, yeah, I guess there's, there's merit to that. And people should be resourceful and figure things out. But I don't think there's any shame in asking for help. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that's been a struggle of mine is asking for help. So, mm-hmm. you know, just ask. Like, you, you know, you know it, it's, it's really important. And I think that probably had a profound impact on your relationship with Will. 100%. Right? And so just, and how long does it take, right? Yeah. Right? How long does it take to, to say to someone? And the advice I would give you is like, yeah, it's cool that you text him. Make sure you say it to him. Yeah. You know, so... Oh, we can always up our game. We can yep. always up our game with people every day. That's one of the yep. beautiful things about life. Every day, 
no matter how good you are or how quote unquote successful you are, you can always be better. It never ends. It yep. never, ever ends. And that's the, like, for me, that is the most exciting part of life is that that never ends. You yeah. can always be better. We can all, you, we, me, we can always be better. Yep. And that, that, that's energizing, right? That, that mo- that's something that motivates me every day is that I can be better in my relationship with myself. I can be better in the relationship I have with, you know, one single person. I can be better in the relationship I have with multiple people. Um, I can be better in relationship with my wife, my kids, my mom, you know, my bro- everybody. And that like, it never ends, right? And it's always exciting. It's always new, and um, it's a it's a it's a wonderful thing. And I would encourage all of your listeners, like, just be better, right? How can you be better? You can take it like. Doing small things can make you better. You don't have to set these lofty goals. Do a little thing every day, you'll be better. Yeah. And you'll benefit, right? It's a selfish, like, I don't want to, it's like, it's a very selfish act, right? It's, yeah. it's, because you're going to get the, RL, the return on investment on it. Yep. But you got to be authentic. Like, authenticity is something that we haven't touched on here. For any of your listeners here who are in charge or leading, you got to be who you are. You yeah. have to be who you are. It's one of the things I immediately, literally loved, loved about you, right? Authenticity. You were never someone you were. You might have thought you were sometimes, and I know, you know, the back and forth. And we all struggle with that, but yeah. being authentic, being true to who you are, yeah. you know, aware of who, who you are, is so important because if you're not authentic, the appreciation thing and this, it ain't going to work. It it's so funny. I, uh, let me see if I can pull it up. I, I'm working on like our our list of, of of hires, right? We're getting ready to hire for for 24/7, and and in that list, uh, one one of the things that I I said was, and and I want to say it was a uh, something that I learned from you, but it it was when filling out your application, we should believe everyone should strive for their ikigai. Right, which is that balance in life. Find a balance in life where you get paid to do what you love, the world needs it, and you're good at it. Yeah. So be brutally honest when applying to join our team. This way, the real you will love what you do every day at 24-7 Artists. Mm-hmm. And the reason I, I wrote that as our hiring philosophy, and it's something that, that we have to live by, is, again, so now everyone's not an entrepreneur. Everyone's not going to start out a business. A lot of people watching this or reading this or listening to this are going to apply for a job, whether it's at a label or at a music tech company or at a, a record store, wherever it is. And we fluff our resumes with what we think they want to see to get the job. Without a doubt. And then you get the job based on them thinking you are something you are not. You sell yourself. Yeah, you sell yourself, you know, in an inauthentic way. But and then you wonder me, why you have the perfect job and you hate it. But let me just add, let me stop you right there. Let me just say something to you. Not only are you selling yourself, if you look at the, the job market today, we know what's going on. You know, with COVID, I think COVID just kind of expedited all this stuff. But I think even before COVID, there was this sort of awakening of people who are like, I'm sick of going to work every day hating what I do, right? Mm-hmm. I want to do something to your point that, I, that I'm passionate about. And maybe I'll, maybe, you know, one thing I'll give the younger generation a ton of credit for is they're, they're choosing in some instances, not to paint everybody with a broad brush, but choosing happiness over money, right? Mm -hmm. And I think you can have absolutely have both to your point, but not only are people selling themselves to get jobs, 
that now companies are selling themselves to get you to come work there. Yep. That is a recipe for disaster. One of the one of the things that I love, you know, promote myself for a second. One of the things that I love bringing value to a business is when you're looking to hire somebody. Yes, they need to be a good fit for you. Right? We talk about their skill set, their experience, their personality, how they're going to fit with you know the, the leader, the manager, the team, and we can do all those things, and that's awesome, right? The other side of that equation is, are we, the company, a good fit for them? Mm -hmm. Because I can tell you guys, if you're paying people, make sure that they are a good fit for you. Mm -hmm. Also a good fit for them. And to your point, be brutally honest. Because it'll save you a lot of time, effort, energy, heartache, money, if you don't make the right decision. All right. Yeah. I'll tell a story of... You know, when when House Studios was was kind of now ramping up early on, this had to be like 2011. We had the opportunity to start bringing on engineers. We had like our core group. And at the time, we were very hip hop focused, hip hop R&B focused. And I was like, you know, like, I I don't want to be pigeonholed, which now looking back was just that thought was overthinking it. So let me go find a good like rock engineer. And so I, I reached out to my network and a friend of mine was like, oh, my little brother, you know, he went to school for engineering and he loves rock music. And I made the mistake that you said earlier, I hired the first person. So I had a meeting with him and basically he answered what I needed him to answer to fit the hole, which was, do you like rock music and can you engineer? Okay, you've got the job. And I brought him into the mix and it was like oil and water. Like this dude was literally a cancer for our culture because all of the trust, all of the 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 things that made us a unit, right? We were broke, we we're eating ramen noodles together, like we were literally building up, sacrificing to build this company as, as a group. And then this guy comes in and his whole mindset was very different and not a knock on him. It was, I didn't make sure he was a good fit for us and I for damn sure didn't make sure we were a good fit for him. So how we operated like, you know, this is early on running a business, I wasn't paying on time. I wasn't communicating that I wasn't going to pay on time. Like I was still learning, like all the things that you do when you start in a business, the guys who worked for me before kind of understood. They, they knew I was in the trenches with them and they respected it. And they knew my intention. They knew like there was never going to be a day that someone gave me money and I was holding and not paying them. It was like, yo guys, like as soon as this check come in, everyone's going to get their pay for last week. And he just wasn't with it. He was like, dude, I'm supposed to get paid on Friday. I'm supposed to get this much. I didn't get it. I have bills. You're screwing us. You don't care. And then he started telling the other guys, I don't think he cares. Like, and so like you could see like it, it created a yeah. fracture in our company to the point where we ended up getting rid of him, you know, a couple months later. But the damage had been done. There was like a pre him and a post him in our company where I then felt like I had to be on the defense. And it was simply I, I didn't go through the exercise. I definitely didn't communicate expectations. I wasn't clear on how we operated. I didn't have standard operating procedures. I didn't have anything to present to them to say, hey, sometimes I pay a little later. Hey, something like, and had I done one of those things, I don't think he would have worked for us. I think he would have heard the list and said, this isn't for me. But because I didn't even give him the chance, it really like, it was a learning lesson for me as a leader, as a business owner, just what you said, like, you know, are you a good fit for the company, which is I think where a lot of people focus, but on the flip side, is this company a good fit for you, for your personality type, for where you are in life, for what your needs are? Yeah, what you, totally. Like, and, and, you know, just just saying, like, if you were to ask those questions, you know, what you have to remember, too, is as a, as a business leader when you're, when you're hiring people, right? And 
oftentimes they're applying because they need a job, right? Mm-hmm. They, they want a job. They're going to tell you sometimes what you want to hear. Yeah. And it's, it doesn't make them a bad person. Like, it, it, it just, it is what it is, right? I don't blame anybody for, for trying to, to land a job. That's why the power of asking good questions, um, having some type of assessment that you use, if you, if you can't afford it, um, they're, they're not super expensive, especially if you're not assessing a lot of people. But I can tell you that it will save you. So even if you're paying somebody um, a pretty modest hourly wage, hiring the wrong person, man, is expensive. And mm. just doing your due diligence up front, making the investment in you, your sanity, your team. I, I can't say enough how much that is worth it and how critical that is. Sometimes you might get lucky. Some people get lucky. Um, some people say, hey, I have a really good intuition. I got a feeling, right? And I'm going to say to you, maybe you do, but maybe you've gotten lucky because, you know, relying just on your, your gut is it's a good data point, but it shouldn't be the only data point and eventually you'll get burned. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So as we, we come to a wrap, uh, a couple things that we will do with this podcast, with these conversations is I want the community to ask uh, these these people that I have access to these experts um, questions you know related to your field your your expertise and so the first question that I got um, which is from an artist I've worked with for over a decade Twink Drums an amazing producer drummer um, and and one of the people I communicate with often as far as like music and business so she asked a couple questions. Um, but I think you'll like this one. She said, what position should you fill first? Ooh. I hate asking a question to a question. Um, but I would, if I, if I had her in front of me, I would say, well, at first I'd want to know what are we trying to accomplish or where is the gap, right? Like really understanding who do I got now and who do I need, right? Back to the basketball analogy, right? Like, you know, if I'm the Sixers, I'll use the Sixers, right? Mm-hmm. There was a big gap right and so they didn't have someone who could you know really handle the ball or you know really get a shot you know in the last couple minutes of the game aside from relying on a big man that's not a recipe for success so they identified a need right so i would say to you your first is your greatest what is your biggest need right and then also you what you want to consider is what's your next move it's like like life is chess man it's like it's not just this move it's this move and then what's the next move and you know that that, that i want everyone just to pause and think and understand what are we what are we building what are we, again i'll go back to that mission what is my mission what is our mission what are we driving for what do i need in order to further myself to get to that goal and not leapfrog any steps and i think that's the best way i could answer that question without having uh her in front of me i love it that's a great answer hopefully twink uh takes that um answering the question with a question but that you know as a leader you find yourself asking questions of yourself all day. And, and I found oh, yeah. that like, you know, when someone says, what does a CEO do? And and I tell them, I'm, I literally am answering questions like that. You know, I started out as an engineer, then producer, you know, all of the, the creative things I've done. But but once you become a CEO, a leader, and, and a lot of artists will find themselves the artist slash CEO, understand that the, the role of the CEO is to answer questions and to ask questions. That's your job full time. You're either answering a question or you're asking the question. Right. You're really not building anything. You're not creating. You're relying on people with other skills more skillful than you. Some, you know, often to do the the work. But your job is to answer and ask questions that move the company forward. Right. 
And, and so I like that answer. And then the next question is, what's the most important piece on your team? On my team? On, on a team, on anyone's team. What's the most important piece on a team? Your audience has to ask tough questions. Um, I'm, this is just an opinion answer. There's no research behind this. There's no, I'm going to say the most important piece on anybody's team in any industry is selflessness. Mm. If you can find somebody or a collection of people who um, are about the common goal or the common good and less about themselves and their advancement, you got it, right? Because it, 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 it really kind of, for anything to work, even if it's just two people uh, working together, you got to kind of be selfless. And I think that that would be the, the one quality. I'm not sure if the question is a quality, or, but that, like, to me, that's the first thing I think of is, selflessness like people who are just like not really overly concerned about themselves but but more concerned about the collective i love it and 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 i i'll put an asterisk next to that and then so to answer it i would say it's it's really yourself then right so it's the key to being selfless is that you have to not focus on yourself and so can you take the time out when you're alone to realize that in your team you're going in with your biases and what happened last week and what happened when you're a kid that triggers certain emotions and then you like freak out when people do certain things. And can you check that and your ego and pride and all that at the door and come to the table and figure out how to add value in other people's lives? Yeah. Right. And that that that's the key, right? And 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 so if 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 you're building a team and you find yourself sitting at a table saying, like, no one understands me and I'm so upset and I'm and I'm and I'm, then you're not doing your part in the team to say, well, all right, I, I, that may be the case, but now let me sit at the table and say, how am I adding value to that person? How am I making that person's job in life a little easier? Have I checked in with that person to make sure they're good? And when you when you build that culture, and I think that was a culture we strive for, right? And, and what you're speaking of is a culture where everyone is making sure the other people are good, then your team will find a way to solve the problem because problems never stop. You're constantly solving problems, but your team will work together to solve problems as opposed to work against each other when problems arise. Yeah, and they, they become less problems and more challenges. Like, I think this case challenges, right? Problems are the, 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 I don't love the word problems, right? But it's the challenges, right? You challenges, can move yeah. past problems and move towards solving challenges, yeah. you become better. Yep. A lot of people are stuck in solving problems. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. That's yeah. Awesome. And then the last one, Simon said, tell Brett I send my best. Yes, I love Simon. <laughs> all right. So uh, the, the very last thing, uh, we're going to ask all of our guests this question. And, and so to preface it, I'll say the reason this podcast exists, again, is is I learn from these conversations. This is another one I've learned even in this convo. Um, and, and everyone doesn't have access to Brett Bell, but everyone has access to a Brett Bell or a person that can give them good advice, multiple people. Um, but even for a Brett Bell, at one point in time, you were just starting out in your career. Um, there, there's a person watching this right now who might say, man, like, I love, you know, the idea of being a psychologist. I've, I've always loved the idea of like people and, and communication and and wow, maybe this could be my end is, is I could 
get a degree in IO psychology and, and, and work with creatives, work with creative teams, and that could be their niche. So for that young person, or more importantly, for the young Brett Bell starting out, what's something you wish you knew when you first started your career that you know now? What's, what's a piece of advice you would give to the Brett Bell that's just starting out? So when I pursued this degree, I was a little bit older. Um, and I think I was aware enough when I was younger, because when I went to college initially as an 18 year old, I wasn't ready to go to college. I wasn't, I wasn't into learning, right? I was into playing ball. Um, I had no business going in school. And so if I could go back to my younger self, I would have worked my ass off for a few years. So I was about 21 till I was mature enough to um, really value learning. Um, and I would have um, not wasted three years of, really two years of my life um, and wasted other people's time um, and take up space, right? And I think I would have been better off, but I came to, I, I was lucky enough, I think, to have found my thirst for learning um, and I, I took advantage of it. But I think, I, I just be true to yourself. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to go to school right away. I mean, I didn't go back to graduate school. I was 28 years old, right? So that, those were the, if I would have went from like undergrad to grad school, I would have never finished grad school. So I think go at your own pace. You know, we're not guaranteed tomorrow, but we all hopefully will live long lives. Learning never, ever, ever stops. And, you know, I, I still love learning, right? And, you know, so I think that the, I think the best advice is go at your own pace. Don't be, I love that. Yeah, that, that don't be, though, people say you'll never go back to school. Or if you want to go back to school, you can always go back to school. School will always be there. I love that. Go at your own pace. School will always be there. And I want to give a shout out to uh, your office or your your borrowed office for that Pearl Jam book in the corner. Oh, that's, yeah? Uh-huh. That's, I see that. I'm a little disappointed with them, but that's... <laughs> And then, you know, Brett, obviously these conversations are great. I, I love that the world will get some insight as to, again, any success I have comes from a combination of, of these relationships and conversations. And then I learn through doing it and and I fail and then I go back and I, I, I assess and I talk to people like you and I, I try again. And then I get lucky every now and then and people remember the lucky and they don't remember the unlucky. So. I want to publicly say I love you, Brett. You know, you, you've been a, a great friend, a great mentor, a great uh, part of, of my journey and our family's journey. Uh, and, and I hope that this conversation does as much for others as your conversations have done for me. Um, obviously, we'll have many more uh, this last year. Last two years has been crazy because of the pandemic. Obviously, having this remotely is not ideal. One day we'll have one of these, like I told you earlier, before we recorded, the goal is to have you be a part of 24 seven. So, you know, for the, for the people watching, listening, send your questions, Brett's a text away. And, and ultimately on our website, my goal is to have someone like you just be able to like provide insight, provide value, provide assessments for artists, their teams, for labels, for publishing companies, agencies, uh, because it's so important. And I just feel like, you know, I couldn't start this podcast any other way. I could have started talking about publishing or royalties or 
But before you get to any of that, if you don't check this, I don't care how great your records are. I don't care how big a deal you've gotten. I don't care how much money you have in your bank account. When you see a common thread of the biggest and the best teams kind of falling apart, it all stems from them not kind of doing these check-ins and self-awareness and communications and assessments and, and calling BS and not being authentic. And so all those things I learned from you, Brett, I, I would, you know, be very lost if I didn't have access to you. And I thank God for you. Uh, I appreciate that. And you've taught me a tremendous amount. And I think that's the beauty of any relationship is, is the reciprocity. So, yes, we haven't seen each other in a few years, but I see your face. Um, I think the hallmark of a great friend is you don't have to talk to him all the time. Um, and then, but when you do talk to him, when you do see them, it's like a song yesterday. So. I value that more than anything in the world. Um, I've only known you for, I don't know, five years, but you're truly one of my most dear friends in the entire world, and I love you and take it for you. And I think 24 7, we've been talking about 24 7 always for a long time. I know it will be successful um, because I know how you define success. My guy. All right, Brett. Well, thank you again. I will have. Some contact info. Brett does not do social media. He is not a online person. So <laughs> you can go to his Instagram, but I don't even know if it's on his phone right now. Uh, if it's on my phone. I don't think I've ever made a post. <laughs> we'll find a way to get you connected with this community because you what you do. Is, yeah, you can give anybody my phone. Like, just give I got I got some crazy people following me, so I won't give your phone number out. We'll we'll find a way. We'll find an intermediary. Uh, but thanks again, Brett, and uh, thank you for being the first official conversation on the 24-7 Artist Podcast. This means a lot, and, and I'm so happy that, that we're able to do this. I appreciate it, and I hope you come back soon. Love you, buddy. Peace.